This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I'm Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Wendy Ying from Sarasota, Florida. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for July 1st, 2021. This episode is brought to you by Holistic Veterinary House Calls and the American Driving Society. Good morning, horse world. Well, hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this driving episode. Wendy, I have so much to tell you about. So many cool driving things happened. So, I'm so happy for you. On the show today, we're going to bring you interviews that I did on my, our Test a Road show, which I'll talk about, with Claire Reed about her carriage collection. And I know you know all these people. Oh, and, and Bill Long took us on a carriage drive through Southern Pines. And it was so beautiful. And I got an interview with him while we were on the carriage, which is oh, you're going to be able to hear it and the birds singing. It's so cool. And you're going to talk about summer sores and how to treat them. And Kathleen stops by from the Carriage Association of America. We have a very special announcement about a meetup. And also, she's going to talk about bridles, blinkers, and safety on today's show. So, Wendy, we are planning this road show, as you know, coming up the end of July. We are going five weeks to 14 states to meet our listeners. We're actually going to be taking our RV, staying at listener farms all along the way, doing meetups. We're going to have a concert. Uh, we're going to do trail rides. We're doing all kinds of stuff. And Kathleen, we're going to talk about one of those meetups coming up in Lexington, Kentucky here shortly. But we did a test week because we wanted to figure out how we did the shows on the road. How was it going to go staying at people's places? What are we forgetting? What do we need? You know, we wanted to test everything. And so we went up to Aiken and visited with some of your friends up there and then went up to Southern Pines and visited with some of your friends up there. And we stopped in Georgia at Listener's uh, beautiful farm. Uh, her I husband bet. farms 7,000 acres. They own 7,000 oh acres. Yes, it's an incredible place. So we did all of that in a week, but I wanted to tell you about a couple of things that we did. So Because I haven't had a chance to talk to you since we got back. I know. So Aiken is, of course, a beautiful quaint town quaint is the word that we came up with for aiken you and i had been there before but jennifer had never been there before and it's just the quaintest town and we stayed at this we actually camped we had the best campsites in the world we camped at this beautiful dressage farm that was absolutely gorgeous we were parked right in front of the beautiful barn with the horses and in front of the arena with the lighted up letters (laughs) it was oh my god it was beautiful um, and they had, oh, I got it. This is what I wanted to tell you. The lady who owns this farm, Chris, is a championship pickleball player. Oh, really? Like national champion pickleball player. Oh, my god! So they had That's two great. lighted pickleball courts on the, really? uh, right there at the farm. Yep. Because <laughs> the first time I ever played pickleball was with you and Kyle. I know. It's so so they were they were better than us, by the way. They had a tournament they, going the day we were there. <laughs> they were much better than us. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it was fun. We got to stay there, but we got to go out for a drive with Nilda, Nilda and uh, Michael Burke. We got uh-huh. oh, we fun. got to hang out with Mickey Bowen, and she made us dinner the one night. Oh, Mickey's a great cook. We're going to get Mickey on. That's one of our oldest friends in the driving radio show, and she has a cute little cabin out in the woods. Uh, and she had us out for dinner. We had spaghetti and salad, and we just had a great time. Nilda and Michael were there. It was so much fun, and Mickey was delightful. We're going to get Mickey back on again. Uh, she's uh, she's so del- she has so many stories to tell. And we haven't had her on in a long time, so we'll get her on here uh, in one of the next couple episodes. But then we headed up to Southern Pines, and we got to hang out with Keedy and Randy Cadwell, who you've heard on this show for the last 10 years doing doing, – Doing uh, training tips. Fun adventures. Yes. And we got to hang out at their farm, which I don't know how to describe it. It's like this enclave of driving and jumping and stuff farms outside of town. And it, oh, yeah. isn't it like an enclave? It's like... 
it's it's on it's on Tremont Road in Southern Pines, which is like this super cool little road. You go down off the main Southern Pines uh, equestrian loop, right? And you go down this little dirt road that's like kind of a nice little slope and it's just like awesome farms the whole way down. It's, I love that road. I've never seen anything quite like it because, you know, when you go to Aiken, it's fairly flat like in Florida, yeah. but then you get up to Southern Pines and you got hills. <laughs> so Right, right. It, and they are kind of on top of the hill overlooking the other farms. It was just the, right. the, the and everybody knows each other in that whole <laughs> development area. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're going to, uh, we're going to have a, interview or two that we did from that development there in Southern Pines. And I got to thank Katie and Randy. They put us up, they fed us, they cooked for us. We went out to dinner. They treated us like celebrities. And it was so nice. We were parked right outside their house overlooking the whole valley there. Uh, So it was a good spot. (laughs) It was a beautiful spot. And of course, they have RV hookups, which which is nice going to some farms have RV hookups, which is kind of nice. Right. Uh, but yeah, so we thought about you. You were talked about a lot because everybody knows Wendy. Good. And they all miss you because you never <laughs> leave the house anymore. You're kind of locked in down there. I know. Kyle won't let you leave. She has a handcuff to the door. But, <laughs> That's <laughs> but right. They all miss you visiting. Aww. So well, how about we listen to one of the interviews coming up here? Um, we'll, we're going to go to Kathleen uh, from the Carriage Association, and then we're going to come back with an interview with Bill Long. And I'll go right to that interview, uh, but let's hear Kathleen first. So Kathleen and everybody at the Carriage Association of America have offered to allow us to use their place at the Kentucky Horse Park for our Lexington meetup coming up. It's going to be August the 7th, right, Kathleen? It is. We're looking forward to it. And hopefully we won't be in the midst of a heat wave. But if we are, we have lots of air conditioning space for you to, to hang out in. Well, and uh, the, you know what's exciting, Wendy, is Jamie's flying in from Oklahoma. And she's going to join us. And we're going to bring the RV over so that everybody can see what we're traveling around in and get pictures taken. We have a big... Uh, we have a big wrap going on the back of the RV, so uh, we're going to get pictures taken. We're going to have a barbecue. We're going to hang out and just have some fun. That sounds great. So if if you want to join us, we would love to have you join us and meet. Uh, Jennifer and I will be there. Jamie will be there from Horses in the Morning. Kathleen will be there. You'll get to meet Kathleen. At least I think she's going to be yeah. there. She has to That's open the, the door. Plan. You have to open now, the I door. Should, so. We should say where we're going to be, actually. Because yes. if you don't know where the CA office is, yeah, you may is be it? going, well, that's this is great. <laughs> yeah. It's at the <laughs> Kentucky Horse Park, right? <laughs> yes, we are on the grounds of the Kentucky Horse Park. We are two buildings over from the American Saddlebred Museum. And so we have a um, nice building here with um, not only a meeting space, but we have our library and our archives here that we'll give you a quick run through. We'll try not to to bog you down in too much of the history of things. But if you're interested, we'll give you a tour. And that's going to be, I'm checking the date here. So the date is August the 7th. It starts at 4 p.m. And if you go to Horses in the Morning's Facebook page and scroll down, you're going to find a post where we have all of the meetups listed. And you can click on that and RSVP. We'd like you to RSVP. Or you can go to horseradionetwork.com and click on the 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 HRN Roadshow banner. And we have all of the meetups that we're going to do in in all, all the states we're going to be in. And you can click on it there and find it as well. But thank you so much for offering to do that. That was that was very kind of you. We were looking for a place in Lexington that maybe had air conditioning just in case. And what's better than the Kentucky Horse Park? Yes. Well, we're excited to have you guys. It'd be nice to see everybody. Well, um, so that's that. Let's talk about bridles and stuff. Yes. So we are getting out and being able to show again. And in, in general, just moving about a little bit more off our, pro- our own properties which means that we have to start thinking about things that we may have forgotten during COVID. And that includes bridal safety. So the number one rule in carious driving is is that you never, ever take the bridle off while you're still hitched. Um, And I know people think that I hammer that point home too often, but you can get hurt very easily if you do that. And if you do it at a show or anything, you will be excused from the grounds. I so, bet you saw a post 
that popped well, up in our private room, didn't you? I wasn't going to mention that. I, other people have this. <laughs> We're not mentioning names. No names. No, no names. It, and it's not the first time it's happened, and it won't be the last. But it is the easiest thing to to do to prevent an accident, and that is never take your bridle off. Um, the other thing that will help you, and it will also kind of help you remember not to take your bridle off, is a gullet strap. And a gullet strap goes between the throat. Uh, strap, uh, throat latch, and the nose band. And it kind of works like a halter does. It's in that area. And it just helps keep the bridle on. So if you have a horse that wants to toss its head or you have a mini with those little tiny ears, uh, a gullet strap can really help keep that that bridle on. And uh, so those are two things that are really quick and easy to do. Now, the other thing that I've noticed a lot of recently is... When you have a driving bridle, we have blinkers. Some people call them winkers, whatever you want to call them. They go next to the horse's eye. Now, Glenn, I want you to picture this. Okay. I, picture yourself with fake lashes on, with your glasses, and how uncomfortable it would be if those lashes kept hitting your glasses. Oh, it drives you. I have glasses, and it drives you crazy. Yes, it's super, yes. It's super uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> it's the number one reason why I don't wear mascara. Uh, <laughs> because my eyelashes hit my glasses then. Um, and if we think that we're that uncomfortable, you know, think of how a horse is going to be if your blinkers are not properly positioned and their eyelashes are touching that every, the leather every time they blink. Um, so not only do we need our blinkers to be in the middle of the horse's eye, this is where we start. Now, some horses might like them a little farther down, might like them a little farther up, but we start in the middle of the eye, and then we make sure that there is either enough curve in the blinker to accommodate the eye, which if you have like a hackney or something with the eyes that are a little bit more out there, they may need a curved um, inside of that blinker. Just does... Uh, Scooters blinkers are he they wears the, the He wears the hat. What are they called? The half blinkers. Um, the half blinkers. Yeah. The Dolly Vardens. Yes, because yep. that was the next thing we're going to talk about. Um, or you know, they may if you can't find them that are scooped or rounded in the inside, you may need blinkers where the stays, which are the pieces that hold them t- apart, are either reinforced if if they've failed, or um, are just physically moved apart. And that is something that you can do. That stay usually is flexible and you can move it to be where you need it to be. Um, Particularly now when we're talking about with like the FEI and such where we're not clipping whiskers, you know, we want to do our horse a favor and try not to have our whiskers touching the blinkers all the time. Um, If you have a horse that doesn't like blinkers or you personally prefer to wear uh, use an open bridle, that's fine. But if you go and you decide that you want to show, you may find that you need to have some type of a blinker to fulfill the rules. And that's where what Scooter Wears comes in. You can um, use a half cup or a Dolly Varden, whatever you want to call them, and they are open for everything but seeing back just at the very corners. So um, they pretty much give the horse the same effect as being an open bridle. But that, that's something that we can help our horses with, with a little bit of safety and uh, just making sure that we, we put everything in place. Not only can we u- move those blinkers from the stays, we can also use the cheek pieces to move things. And one of the things that I noticed um, this weekend at a horse show was that when a horse was taking a hold of the bit and he was holding it with his mouth, um, while the bridle had fit perfectly fine when he he let go when he took a hold of it it pushed his whole cheek piece up so that there was a little gap there and that moved his blinker and he was sitting there not entirely sure if he was playing with the bit or if he was playing peekaboo with the blinker but um, those are things that if you have a horse that's you know maybe being a little goofy or something you might take a look at and see if you know you need to readjust particularly the blinkers because they do get banged around when we move our tack and so they may not stay in the same spot. So that's what I wanted to just reiterate today is that, you know, don't take your bridle off. Um, 
while you're hitched, make sure that you're using a gullet strap. And gullet straps are $13, $13 usually $13, $15. If you don't have one uh, tack shop around you, you can use a dog collar or whatever just to put something there. Even a piece of baling twine is better than nothing. Um, and then make sure your blinkers fit. So, and Kathleen, I think um, I think when I first started driving, uh, you know, switching from a riding bridle to a driving bridle, it's it's so different, you know, because driving bridles are a lot more structured. And I didn't realize that in most driving bridles, there's wire on the top of that um, with the stays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the stays, so that you can adjust it and make it wider or closer in. And then also sometimes when I would travel. I would think I had it all, my bridle all set up, but when I would travel, that wire would get bent. Absolutely. You know, Mm -hmm. so I always would double check that because, you know, me being, like you said, with the eyelashes, I used to love to get those glue on eyelashes and I hate when my eyelashes hit things, but, um, it's so important to check that. And that's something that you don't think about because you think your bridle set up, you're ready to go. Yeah. And I mean, you can, you can hit them with your leg when you take the bridle off and you're just carrying it, whatever. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take much to move those blinkers. So we do need yeah. to, to do that. But I just, you know, you get this picture of this, you know, particularly the fjords with those big cow eyes with the oh, lashes. Yeah. And then That's you so put the, cute. you know, um, put the tight blinkers on and, and you're like, mm, we got to make sure we take care of that. But so now I've, I've told you all about safety. Now I have to tell you something that's, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We like fun. Yeah. So I was reading about John Fitzgibbon the other day. Have you, are you either of you familiar with him? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay. So in 1789, he became Lord Chancellor of Ireland. Ooh, fancy. Yes. Yes. So <clears throat> just out of curiosity. He was the Glenn, king of beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, if you had gotten permission, I'm going to say permission, permission to send, spend $600 and maybe you spent 7000 instead, where do you think Jen would bury the body? <laughs> oh, I think I've done that before and it only happened once. So <laughs> might have been a car. So, it didn't, didn't happen yeah. again? No. So that's what John Fitzgibbon did. Uh, he was uh, when he became Lord Chancellor of Ireland, he was allowed to buy a new coach. And there were 40 carriage builders in Ireland, but he decided that he was going to be super fancy. And so he ordered from Goodall and Company of London. And I'm not sure the exact amount because, you know, it's in pounds in 1789, but he had roughly a budget of about 600 pounds and he spent 7,000. Oh my God. There, there was a uproar. <laughs> I, I can just imagine. Um, however, we will have an article on the beautiful gilded golden coach that he bought in the next edition of the Carrier's Journal, um, which it's an absolute work of art. But you can just imagine how angry people would have been. That I mean, that's that's a quite a significant difference. Um, yeah, I'll say. I, I thought, you know, you know, people sometimes think history is boring or a little dry, but you kind of have to look past the first initial go and, and look for stories like this, because, you know, if, if you did that, you know, the average spouse would, would have some words with Kill you. you. <laughs> there would be, there would be angry words. Said. I came home with and, a brand new car once without telling her and that didn't, oh, that didn't go well. Yeah. And we weren't even married yet. But we were living together, and that, that's I, a good time to do it before you're married. <laughs> we were living together, and still it didn't go well. So never did that again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he didn't do that again either. <laughs> <laughs> Kathleen, where but, can people find the Carriage Association? We are on Facebook at Carriage Association of America. We are on the website at caaonline.com. And if you are looking for um, horse show information or video from the Lexington Carriage Classic, you can find it there on our Facebook page. And it's a lot of 
Really nice turnouts there. And if you'd like to meet Karen, let's reiterate, it's going to be August the 7th at 4 p.m. in Lexington, Kentucky at the Kentucky Horse Park. Go to horseradionetwork.com and click on the Roadshow banner and you'll find all the meetups and that one's listed there. And you can RSVP and uh, come out and have some fun, hang out with us. And uh, uh, you said you're going to bring your horses over and take us for carriage rides, right? Uh, oh yes, I'm going to bring them down from Michigan and, yeah. and do that. Yes, yes. <laughs> but I, I am. I will work on getting um, possibly somebody to come over and see. Say hello. Okay, good, cool. Thanks, Kathleen. You're welcome. One of the interviews that I did when we were in Southern Pines was on a carriage with Bill Long. Now I know you know Bill Long, and most of the other drivers will know Bill Long. But for non-drivers, who is Bill Long? Well, Bill Long was one of our uh, most uh, exuberant four-in-hand carriage drivers in the day. And uh, I used to, when I very first started driving, he was still driving the four-in-hands. And he used to just gallop through the hazard like he was like galloping a chuck wagon. He was really uh, fun, fun to watch. And he is one of our... uh, you know, one of our legends in driving, both pairs and for foreign hands. So we are here and we are in a carriage. I am in I am in the passenger seat in the front and Jennifer's hiding in the back Hi. with Kitty. And we have Bill here who's driving and we are behind a pair. What are the what are the pair? They're Clyde crosses. Yeah. And Clyde and Hackney crosses. Right or no? no? They got some thoroughbred, thoroughbred, and a little Belgian in one of them. Oh wow, that's so, very cool. But they're they're, they're really cool horses. So they're tell a nice pleasure pair. That's what they are. And we're driving through the most beautiful section of farms here outside Southern Pines, and everybody kind of is cool about everybody driving everywhere, riding everywhere out here. Oh yeah, they, when you buy a place here, especially in horse country, there's more or less a stipulation that they. they you have to let people come through on your property. They give you make easements so that you don't have to interfere with anybody's property. But there are easements that you can ride and drive on, and it's open to the public. And so it's really it's not it's about the only place in the country that I know where you can do this. And and everyone is pretty. Uh, they're all nice people here. All nice people. You meet nice people and horse people, and. Uh, but we don't have bicycles and stuff on the trails and stuff, so it makes it nice for the people that's driving. And for and the, the riders, they love it. They love I it bet, too. yeah. So for the carriage drivers, what carriage are we on? This is an old Coonley, a six-passenger wagonette. It's a, a Coonley German vehicle, but it's good training carriage. That's what we use it for, just training. We don't compete or show with it, but and the, training and the horses in front of us, are they competition horses or no, pleasure? No. Pleasure horses. Yeah. That's, what, that's what we've made them, pleasure horses. Yeah. And that's uh, what the people wanted. And they're really, they're, they've gotten to be a really a nice pair of horses to drive. And anybody can drive them. I mean, they're soft, they're quiet. And we'll put pictures of them in our show notes. So if you want to see oh. uh, what we're driving, we'll put pictures in there. Yeah. How long have you been driving? Oh, all my life. Driving. Yeah? Yeah. I had my first pony when I was four. And uh, obviously your parents were into horses? Pardon? Were your parents my into dad, horses? Yeah. yeah, my dad was. Yeah we, yeah, we drove standard bread race horses and did all that. And my dad passed away as a horseshoe. So then we got involved with um, the driving, in the, more of the combined driving in 1978. Oh, that's when the combined so, driving was uh, crazy and dangerous. It started to take yeah. off. Where, yeah. Yeah, where you You guys were nuts. Key cards for cross <laughs> yeah, country. That's right. Meadowbrooks breaking yeah. the wheels off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but these these vehicles that we have today in the competitions for marathon are they're like little battle wagons. They, they're built for it. But, so do you still compete? No, no. No. Quit no. quit competing and uh, now I just I break and train horses for people, but I, I had a farm here in Southern Pines for about 20 years um, and just trained out of there, but um, now I just go to people's house. Farm to farm? Yeah. Farm to farm. Yeah. Are you enjoying this part of your life? Um, yeah, yeah. 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 I enjoy it. I, Less uh, pressure? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, no. And you go and the people are nice. You try to get a horse really going good for them that hasn't been, and it makes me feel good when I can do that. And so... Um, 
but no, it's it, it's nice to work with people and and it's you get to see what you've accomplished too after you know a couple of months with a horse that hasn't been going very well and all of a sudden now he's bending he's doing everything he wants you know do you start them all single or do you put some in pairs right away to oh, help no, train them, them or some of them we we put in with them a horse yeah yeah like you have an older horse that knows something some of these that haven't been you know driven we we put them together with that one and go it's easier and it's it's uh, safer when you put one in with another horse that's been doing something. They not have to run away with you because that other horse is usually steady Eddie, and they'll keep them in tow. So then you don't have to train them for pairs. They're already trained in pairs when you. Well, yeah. yeah after yeah. a while, you could say, yeah, they pretty much go in a pair whenever. You... Do they have trouble? Is there any trouble then transitioning to single, or do they pretty no, much get it at I'm that point? I'm just saying that yeah. the safest is putting a horse to break them. It's with another horse, right? You know, and then you get like in the the pairs. There's always maybe you got one horse in there that doesn't quite um, isn't quite what you want, you know. So we're going down this lane now. We've made a turn, and there is a reason Southern Pine is, is called Southern Pines is because every tree here is a pine tree. There, it's just crazy. There's so many. You know, we're not used to that. We come from the land of live oaks, you yeah, know. And, sure. Yeah. Oh, no, you get all yeah. beautiful trees. These are, but these stay green all winter, so it's nice. Yeah. So do you get bad? So tell us a little about Southern Pines. Do you get bad winters here? Oh. Yeah, we have ice once in a while we or? get a little snow or ice, yeah. but not very often. Not very often. It's usually we can pretty much drive every day here. Is it above freezing most of the time? Yeah. 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 Usually at least gets up to 50, 50 in the afternoons. We've had some cold mornings where you have a little ice or frost, but nothing that stays. It never stays with us very long. So why Southern Pines as opposed to Aiken or Florida or Well for me it's the acreage and the places where you can drive and ride. I mean, the Moss Foundation, this this used to be the uh, Mrs. Moss's, and um, well, what's his name, yeah, the Goodyear, or the Firestone, Yeah, that was him and her, the ones that had this. And we're looking and to they, the right at a huge forest, which is big, right? I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. it's donated to the foundation, so that's, they have the hunters trial, anybody can come over here and ride their horses, or drive on it. So it makes it pretty nice. Right now we're going down into uh, Dodge, Ms. Dodge's place, Diana Dodge. Um, oh, this is pretty. This is we her. just changed to a to a dirt yeah. road. It is pretty through the trees. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. And I haven't been eating live by bugs like what we kind of were in Aiken. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're pretty lucky. We do have the deer flies. Yeah. And we do have the little black flies, um, but we're not we're not like a lot of places that have flies where you can't even drive in the woods. But there's, what, 6,000 acres here, Kitty in the foundation? Oh, so it takes you a little while to drive around the whole thing, huh? Oh! Yeah, <laughs> a day and a half. And you get people come to drive here, and then they get lost out in the, in the know, woods. Because of the pine trees, everything starts looking the same. But, well, this is know. terrific. Well, thank yeah. you, Bill, for doing this today. Oh, we appreciate it's it. It's, it's fun for me. Well, of course, we are sponsored by the American Driving Society. You can find them at americandrivingsociety.org. For those that don't know, the American Driving Society is the governing body of competitions here in the United States. And also, pleasure driving, and you can put your miles in if you're just a normal driver like me who doesn't compete at all. Um, it pays to be a member of the American Driving Society. They have a great magazine they put out full of really cool pictures, but they also also have a Facebook page that we don't talk about too much, and I noticed they just put up 50 pictures from the Elk Creek CDE that was on June the 6th, and you, you want to go check it out. They have a lot of cross-country pictures. What a beautiful place that is. Oh, um, yeah. Where's gorgeous. Elk Creek? It's a Fair Hill. Oh, this is the Fair Hill one. Ah, got it. Yeah. And of course, Fair Hill is going to be the home to the second five-star ever. 
uh, in the eventing world here coming oh, up in the exciting. fall. Yeah, that starts in October. But there's all kinds of great pictures on here if you want to check out the pictures that the American Driving Society posted. But you're, you definitely, if you're a driver, want to go get a membership to the American Driving Society. They've supported our show since the beginning, and we're happy to support them. Go go find it today at americandrivingsociety.org or go to the American Driving Society Facebook page. And now we're going to do a, go to another interview, Wendy, that we did on the road in Southern Pines, there in that little enclave out there with Reedy, or Randy and Keedy. And we had an interview in the most beautiful carriage house with Claire Reed. <laughs> Tell us about Claire. Oh, my God. Claire is like... I remember when I very first met Claire, I was like, you know, if everything went great in my life, like someday I could be Claire Reed. Like she's what, like she's my idol. I love Claire. She's like totally adorable. She's so fashionable. Yes, very she fashionable. Drives. Yeah, she's yeah. super fashionable. And she's, but she's like super smart. She uh, is an electrical engineer and she, um, she was telling me this story actually once when she, when she very first started her first job. Uh, I think she was at Lawrence Livermore laboratories or something. I can't remember, but where she worked, she, there was no women's bathroom because she was the only woman in the whole department. <laughs> so she had to go to the president's office, you know, like with, I just, I mean, she is like a pioneer for women, not just in, driving but like it you know in engineering also a business she's like an awesome businesswoman but she drives four um and she's driven six too i think but she's a great driver she has section a welsh ponies that are like the most adorable things you've ever seen and she herself she's like you know five foot something she's tiny and she looks so cute with the ponies and her carriage is also like the perfect size for the ponies and her and the carriage house, my God, that uh, that carriage house she built. They they bought that house with the the gray cottage on it, mm -hmm. and then she built the carriage house. And the barn's um, in a U shape. It has a courtyard. It's so cool. Oh my <laughs> yeah. God, it's so beautiful. It's it so is. beautiful. And Claire, not only does she just uh, she did combined driving with the Pony Four, but she also does coaching and pleasure driving. And she's just like she's a, one of. And she runs the the show at Southern Pine. She does it all. Well, and I wanted to tell you, I will put pictures up. Uh, I'll do a post on the Driving uh, Radio Show Facebook page of her carriage collection that she's talking about in this interview. Because what I basically did is went through and uh, we we asked about one, one of the particular carriages that she had there. She had so many. But I'll oh, yeah. also post pictures of all the carriages in the carriage house that I took while I was there over on the Driving Radio Show. So you can see them there. But let's hear from Claire. So we're here with Claire in her beautiful carriage house, which is absolutely amazing. And she has a selection of carriages. And I had her pick out one, which was tough. It's always tough to pick out one to talk about. Right. But tell me about the one you picked out. Well, this is a, a Brewster Wagonette, uh, circa 19, uh, 19, 1890s. Um, it's made um, in New York. Brewster was a carriage maker in New York City, in, outside of New York City. And uh, it was owned by the DuPont family, which is Lissiter Farm. And those that know Little Welsh Ponies, they probably know Lissiter Farm Ponies. I also have Welsh Ponies that are um, Westwood breed. Perfectly white Welsh Ponies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so this carriage is uh, her colors. We kept the colors to keep it. It's kind of a, uh, what color blue would you say that is? Uh, a teal and light blue maybe. Yeah. I think they are the two different shades. It's beautiful. But they have um, some unique things to it. Um, all of the uh, silver components are silver. Um, and uh, it actually had a crab on it that was silver. But that didn't last too long. <laughs> that was not as strong as you might want it to be. It has, of course, the um, metal wheels and some unique um, fabric. <laughs> it does. I love the fabric, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, it just... Um, it, Fabric is fun. I like fabric to be jolly and happy and not the classic Bedford cord, boring green and beige and gray. Mm. So, um, yeah. But I don't know in the show ring whether this would ring the blue ribbon or not. You know who cares. <laughs> right. You're making a statement. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun. We call it the dump truck. It's, 
because I once took it to Walnut Hill and we were doing the cross country portion and I didn't realize it turns about like a dump truck would. <laughs> it's not meant for cross country. It's meant for the roads. It's quite Did you heavy. get stuck? No, we didn't no. get stuck, but we pretty much knocked everything over. Yeah. Um, but um, um, it's meant for roads. It's, it's almost as heavy as my coach and it's, wow. it goes really well and rolls very nicely on roads. Can you do it with a pair or do you do it for? No, only for a Only for Especially your size ponies. Yeah. You know, it's heavy. Yeah. This is probably close to a thousand pounds. And the ponies, as we were talking earlier, weigh less than 500 each. So We're going to post pictures in our show notes of this particular yeah. one. Where, was it this well, was it restored already, or did you have it restored when you got it? It was, uh, she kept her carriages magnificently. And then it went to a museum for 16 years. Oh, wow. Uh, she donated it after her death to a museum. And they had the choice to keep them or to sell them. So after the 16 years, and when she had them perfectly restored, they were never used. So it was in pretty good shape. Yeah. I have since uh, repainted it uh, in her colors, um, uh, mainly because, you know, after using it myself over time, and we did show with this in the show ring, um, I wanted it to be more um, pristine. So we did repaint it. Now, one other thing. I t- said one, uh, but I'm going to lie, <laughs> uh, because I've never seen a pony. What is it called? Oh, a skeleton brake. Skeleton brake, which is your training it's a training vehicle, vehicle yeah. yeah, and um, it's called a skeleton brake because it is a skeleton of a carriage. It has no body. Um, and then um, uh, you would have the groom stand easily able to jump off. And, and, and they have stands that are really right beside the driver's seat. Right next yep. to the driver's seat. They hold on to the, the handle next to the driver and then can jump on and off easily to lend assistance. And because it's so lightweight and front heavy with the grooms on the driver in front it has a weight box in the back to counterbalance the weight which is very heavy and as you see that one it, it this is the original again uh, DuPont Lissiter Farm carriage and this is the original paint color this was how it came out of the museum which is a lot like the other blue yeah, yeah. exactly so it's unique thank you and it was you know I kept the colors they're not my colors I'm usually either black and red or yellow and uh, black, but these are her colors and those are her carriages, so they're staying blue. Well, good for you. <laughs> uh, you, right. you got your coach with your colors. Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. So, when did you start driving? How old were you? I was 45 when I first started oh, well, driving. Oh, you got into it later? Later, yeah. yeah, exactly. And um, Why? Well, um, I, probably a Randy and Kitty Cadwell were standing uh, right yeah, here. I don't know. We don't know them. But um, they used to see me ride <laughs> horses and it was canter, canter trot trot jump fall off so, and somehow i was better at driving so <laughs> and knock wood i haven't fallen off yet we'll see what happens but we don't do much cantering either yeah that's true that is true and whole lot, not any jumping see so. i hated i hated riding which is why i got yeah. into driving i was a horse husband yeah. married it tried riding didn't like and she said we got to find something you do with horses <laughs> and then, then the ponies came in you know yeah so that's how i ended up yeah. doing it no i i just uh i didn't have any horses until 45 when wow. I was 45, uh, not nineteen forty. Do you know a lot of our listeners, though, get into horses in their 40s because they had their kids are up. Yeah. They don't have to worry about them anymore. Right. They've always wanted one, and they just never did it yeah. because they never had the time. Right. Yeah. Well, I moved to an area that was not close to the water. I was always into boating and golf, uh, and it didn't have much golf there, and it was not close to the water. So everybody in the neighborhood was riding or driving, and so I started. Yeah, and it's been fun. Ever well, since. great. Yeah. That's yep. true. Well, thank and I've been you. doing it for the last six years. Well, thank you for inviting us out to see your good, beautiful right? carriage house. We'll post pictures of that, too. All right, great. They are really beautiful. Oh, good. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed those interviews. It's always fun to do interviews like that. We're going to do a ton of those coming up when we're on the road for five weeks, starting July 31st. If you want to see our schedule and see if there's a meetup near you, uh, we're, uh, you go check that out at horseradionetwork.com. Click on the top banner. You're going to see the Roadshow banner. And all the meetups are listed there. We're going to be heading through Alabama, up into Tennessee. Uh, we're going to hit to Lexington, Kentucky. We're going then up to Michigan for a camping trail ride at a at a trail ride campground up there. And we have some Fun. people coming down to camp with us and go out trail riding. And then we're going to head to Ohio for a couple of stops and then Pennsylvania for a couple of stops. Uh, we're going to be in Maryland and Virginia and North Carolina. So we have a whole bunch more going on uh, for the five weeks. It's going to be over 3,200 miles we're going to be traveling. 
And the whole idea is just to go out and stay with you guys and meet you and just uh, something I've been wanting to do. I probably talked to Wendy about this 10 years ago that I wanted to do I this. And know. finally, it's time to do it. It's just time to it's do it. It's the perfect time to go. Yep. So everybody's been well, maybe released. La- maybe two years ago would be the perfect time to go. But good thing you didn't go last year because you'd be trapped somewhere. <laughs> no, and uh, we we basically it was when I almost died last year. I said, okay, I'm going to start doing some of the things I I've been wanting to do. Yeah, that's and, true. And that's when we bought the RV and we just said we're going to do this this year. So if this year goes well, the idea is next year we go for two months west of the Mississippi. Um, and head out there and travel all through the West. So that's the idea, if all goes well this year. Jennifer doesn't kill me, so that's going to be... It's all dependent on that. Uh, What are you going to gross me out with today, Dr. Wayne? I know, that's so true. That's what we do. Um, well, you know, I love parasites and today I'm talking about a super icky parasite. We're talking about summer sores, which are caused by a worm called habronema. So sometimes we call it habronemiasis, which means being infected by habronema. Okay. If you're and, eating lunch or breakfast, we give you permission to skip ahead about 10 minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah, because it's doubly gross because they're <laughs> worms. And then they're also, um, there's lots of uh, proud flesh and pus involved. Okay. Unfortunately, we live in Florida. So we, we, we have one of the horses at the barn here actually has been fighting this for six months. And it's gross. Oh, yeah. It's awful. So, okay, so proud flesh. We know horses are very good at making granulation tissue, right? So the reason that they're good at making granulation tissue is horses are amazing. They can have like a big gash, a big wound, and you think, oh, my God. But in a couple of days, it like granulates in, and that's a protective mechanism of horses so that they can fill in a big open wound, Okay, but unfortunately, this uh, ability to form granulation tissue sometimes gets out of control. And even without have without an, a parasite, when granulation tissue happens below the knee or in high movement areas, that causes this positive feedback cycle where that granulation tissue can get out of control. So that mechanism alone is what you're fighting against. Then you add in habronomyosis, okay, which is a little tiny worm. And this worm is, it's like most closely related to the heartworm in dogs. So it's a teeny tiny worm, microscopic worm, okay? And the life cycle is, its normal life cycle is it lives in the stomach of the horse, Okay, so the grown-ups attach to the stomach wall and they're, you know, absorb nutrients from inside the horse's stomach. Then they lay the adults lay eggs and they go through the digestive system and they come out in the manure. Then the eggs hatch in the manure to become these microscopic larvae. And then this is where it gets even grosser. It's like a third tier of grossness. They're ingested by maggots of the house and stable and face flies. Right. So the flies you have at the barn are little maggots in the poop. They eat the larvae and then those maggots become the intermediate host. Okay. So then the larvae and the maggots develop together for about a week in normal temperatures. In Florida, you know, they can mature much faster because of our hot temperature. And then when the flies are grown up, their little friends, the habronema, are still little larvae inside. They migrate to the mouth of the fly. Then when the fly goes on your horse, it deposits the larvae on the horse, on its skin, in its eye. Um, if there's any wounds, you know how flies are attracted to wounds. They, they, that's how the larvae gets into the wounds. So horses will lick their wounds or lick their skin when they're grooming themselves or whatever. And some larvae go into the stomach and then that completes the life cycle, right? They can grow up to be adults. The ones that don't go into the tummy that stay on the wound, they don't 
develop to maturity, but they cause this granulomatous re- reaction. So they cause, um, it's like an allergic reaction. So the, the body's, um, the body's immune system is trying to get rid of them, right? They're sending all kinds of, uh, white blood cells to kill these little worms. Plus these worms are super itchy because they're, you know, squiggling around in there. So the horses tend to scratch. <laughs> I'm just gross again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the horses tend to scratch it because it's super itchy. So that's this horrible itch scratch cycle you get. They damage more tissue and less healing. Um, so that's how you see this granulosh- granuloma getting worse and worse and worse. Summer sores, usually the most, the ones we're most familiar with are the ones on the legs, but you can also see them in the third eyelid. Uh, and usually you see it more with horses with a pink third eyelid. Ugh. So that's in the corner of their eye. Okay. That's really gross. Sometimes I know. And Glenn, hold on. This is getting even grosser. It's so exciting. I didn't know this. <laughs> I mean, I, I knew it, but I didn't know how gross it would be. Um, so you can also see great big, huge granulomas on the penis. Uh. I know worms on your penis. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, <laughs> special note: do not Google. <laughs> do not Google this. Yeah, because it could be really horrible. But now, if you do see it on the penis that or the eye, that's an emergency. You need to call your vet because, especially with like pink skin on the penis of a horse, it could be. Um, uh, sar- uh, squamous cell now, carcinoma. The two that we've seen here recently, uh, I think even our sister-in-law, who have fought this for a long time too, it was on their chest. The one here, it wasn't the one we have here on the chest, Jennifer? Uh, kind of on the... Tor- no, he has one on his uh, on his cheekbone. On his cheekbone, that's what it is. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Well, so what happened was he probably got a scratch he there. He did. He gets scratches all the time. Yeah, then the flies get there because you can't wrap. I mean, it's hard to wrap the cheek. Right. You know? So, yeah. And most horses are, don't, don't keep anything on that you do put on anyway. So, you know, right. it's, so, okay. So, so how do you get rid of this nasty beast? Okay. So what you need to do is you need to start immediately. Okay. Right now in Florida, if your horse gets a cut, just assume it's going to be infected with habernema. Right. So start now because it's much easier to do to to treat it when it's small. Okay. So so you get you need to keep it wrapped and that will help um from self mutilation, right? Because they can't really scratch it if it's wrapped. You need to bandage it with an antibiotic cream. Or, and you probably should add dewormer. You, so you can add a little bit of ivermectin or, or moxidectin to your gauze four by four pad with some antibiotic cream and then stick it on the wound and then wrap it really well so that flies can't touch it. You need to make a barrier. I've actually had some good it's luck. because it's test- really hot and everything melts. I know. That's why, you put on need- there melts. that's why you need to keep it wrapped. Um, but I've had some good luck with um, an herbal concoction that I've made, and um, that seems to help. But you have to kill the bugs first. You have to kill the worms. So you should deworm them, especially in the summer in Florida. I know that lots of people are doing strategic deworming, but that's not really an option for horses in Florida, okay, because... Because when we do fecal floats, you don't see these eggs of the habernema in the fecal floats. Okay, so that can lead to this big buildup of numbers. Also, you need to reduce, you need to do something about the flies, which could do, be manure control. So you could compost or you could, um, some people in Florida ha- get a dumpster and they fill their dumpster and then have the um like waste management, take it away. That's actually a very good strategy. Uh, of course, use fly masks for their face and spray if you have spray. But deworming every eight weeks with ivermectin or moxidectin is really helpful in reducing the numbers of, of worms on your pasture and in the fly population. Um, 
So I've also had some really good luck with acupuncture and laser. Um, and you need to keep an eye on the edge of the skin. Like when you see the wound, you'll see this gray edge and that's like the new skin coming over. So you want to make sure you really take care of that new skin by keeping it really um, moist and keeping the flies out of it. Um, another thing you can do is when it starts to get, when you're sure you get rid of all the worms and it starts to be looking good and you think, Oh, I just want to not keep wrapping this. You can spray something on it or you can do a barrier. Like, um, I know Jennifer has used Equiderma zinc oxide paste. And what that does is it, it kind of makes a barrier between the flesh and the flies. So the flies can't lay the larvae in there. So, and it doesn't melt off. Yes, Jennifer, it doesn't melt off because you need something to stick there. It needs to stay there all day unless you're going to go there like every two hours to do it. Um, this takes seems course, to take a freaking long time to get rid of, too. You really oh, have yeah. to be diligent about it. It Yeah, it's every day for months. You can't stop because it'll get out of control. Now, also, if you start treating it and you don't see it, um, a difference right away, you need to call your vet because it could be something else. It could be a squamous cell carcinoma. It could be a foreign body. It could be something. So Now, is this um, exclusively Florida, or do they get it everywhere? No, you get it everywhere, but because of our weather in Florida, it gets out of control down here. It doesn't. This, these summer sores do not get out of control like this in, in cooler climates. So, and, um, I have to say one more thing about the eyes. Yeah. Sometimes the first sign you'll see is you have horses with runny eyes. And I know this is a big complaint I have with people. They're like, my horse's eyes are runny. They always think it's an inhalant allergy. And yes, it may be an inhalant allergy, but the runny eyes is the first sign of habernomiasis in the third eyelid. And you, your eye, like your tear duct goes and it drains out your nose, right? So when you get habernomiasis in there, sometimes you can get pus and dirt and bugs that block your tear duct. And so when the tear duct is clogged, your tears, instead of going down to the tear duct to your nose, the, the tears run down the face. And when the tears run down the face, it causes um, like damage to the tissue right below the eye. And that's why sometimes you'll see habernomiasis abscesses right below the eye on the skin below the eye. So if your horse is tearing a lot, you might want your vet to come out and make sure your tear duct is intact. And they can do that by, um, like, if you, you know when you have a corneal ulcer and they stain it with the green dye? The green dye will come out the nose if the tear duct's intact. If the green dye doesn't come out the nose, then the tear duct's blocked. And that can be fixed very easily with um, a flushing of it with just some saline. And the vet can do that in in you know, in no time, it's a standing procedure. And that can really, really help to uh, treat summer sores in the eyes before they get out of control. And so if you want um, more info about this, of course, I have a blog post about it on drwendyying.com. Well, Wendy, where can people find you? At drwendyying.com. Drwendyying.com is where you can find Wendy. Tomorrow we'll be back with some really bad ads. Jamie will be here and we'll just have a little bit of fun. I hope you can join us then. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we, again, we look forward to meeting many of you on the road. Remember, keep the shiny side up. <laughs>